The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. The Social Screenwriters Podcast. Where Andy talks to people he met on the internet. Hey there. How you doing, everybody? This is the Social Screenwriters Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Compton, and this is the first episode. So if I am terrible at this, that's why. It's my first time. Uh, Today on the show, we have a very appropriate guest because this was my first friend on screenwriting Twitter, and this is my good buddy, Gabe Braxton. Hello, hello, Andy. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. How are you? Man, I'm doing good. I am doing good. Life is good. It's good to be breathing. You know what I mean? Waking up another day. Absolutely. For sure. Okay. So we're just going to jump right into things. Uh, Well, first I'll kind of explain a little bit about this podcast. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this is just something I wanted to start that could kind of give writers that I know from Twitter a platform. So audiences can get to know this person beyond just their tweets. And I think that, you know, you can, plug your projects. You can, you know, tell us about your process and uh, just whatever that we get into. Yeah. I guess with that, we can just go ahead and get started. Uh, So Gabe, first question that I want to know. All right. Do you think my tweets are funny? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And okay. okay, I'll just leave it there. I'll leave it. Okay. Yeah, no, no. And that's all we need. That's all we need. That's all I need just to keep going. Um, just okay, so, your ego. exactly. Yeah. That's all. I'm, that's, that's why I'm doing this. Uh, the rest of it, I don't even care. Um, so question number two, uh, how'd you get into screenwriting? Man. So, um, I don't know, like, I, I don't really, this is, I think about this often because I mean, t- to be completely honest, it, it just, I just kind of like stumbled into it and it wasn't something that I just thought like, Oh, I want to be a screenwriter because Prior to screenwriting, I was doing a lot of creative things on YouTube. I was like vlogging. I was making like what like YouTubers call like cinematic videos where you go like do some cool shit and then put it to music, like edit it and put it to music and then upload it and people can watch it. Um, So I was doing stuff like that. And then I wanted to kind of get into like narrative storytelling and I can definitely be a perfectionist. And so I wanted to do it right. And so from there, I actually looked up, you know, how to screenwrite on YouTube and I found this video and it was like 21 minutes long. And that was kind of the start of my journey. And I I remember listening to it like over and over and over and over and over again. And it just talked about like basic things like structure and, you know, kind of like what to do, what not to do in the very, very basics of screenwriting. So that's kind of like how I got into it. Awesome. That's super cool. Yeah. YouTube is an incredible tool. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a good resource. Yeah, there's a lot of people who say, you know, you can totally ditch film school and learn everything from YouTube. And as someone who went to film school, I can confirm (laughs) that you technically can. Like my my thing about film school is that I think that it expedited the process for me, the learning process. I think you can learn it all from YouTube, but my brain, I'm a hands-on learner. So it was definitely helpful to be in a classroom learning with a bunch of people at the same time. Mm -hmm. However... Uh, technically, yes, you can learn all of that shit on your own. Like YouTube is just an incredible resource and also just the internet in general. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think probably, uh, I think you probably could confirm, uh, but I want to, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that like going to, to uh, film school, like one of the best benefits for that is the actual connections that you made, the real like connections that you make with other like filmmakers uh, to be able to take that beyond schooling. 100%. Yeah. Everything I've made since I got to film school and since I graduated have been with my peers from school. So yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so I already know this, but for the audience, are you currently repped? My rep, like, what does that mean? Does that mean that like, did I, I worked out this morning? Do you... uh, my reps are a little lower because I recently like had surgery like back in, in June. Okay. Gotcha, so my gotcha. reps are a little, so I'm, I'm trying to get back up there. I think okay. that's what you mean. Cool. That's all I meant. Yeah. I just wanted okay. to know, cause you looked a little swole and, uh, we're doing this I'm over trying. zoom just so everyone knows. And Gabe I'm looks trying. tremendous. Um, looking. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, question number four, do you have a manager or an agent? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. Okay. Besides cool. So the two little girls I have at home. No. Okay, cool. But they're not yeah. out there hustling you to the industry. Nah, no, they're not doing nah, like that. Not yet. That's cool. Not yet. Uh, okay. So he, Gabe is on the market y'all. I am on the market, like long walks on the beach. I like, well, I like, <laughs> puppies and anyways can you imagine what a nightmare it would be if there was like a tinder style at screenwriters <laughs> with managers on the other side like no manager would ever go on that app. right um so uh how would you describe your quote unquote brand my brand uh, this is a good question so like um so ed solomon i, I recently went to the coverfly career lab and like, i think there's like different interpretations of what brand is and what it isn't Absolutely. Um, and Ed Solomon described brand as like when you have success in like a certain area. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm going to answer it in, in that way. Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. And I would describe my brand as like, like I write uh, contemporary horror that usually um, has mystery involved in there. And the one thing that I kind of like pride myself in is having like a memorable twist. So to make the reader audience, whatever, think that X is happening. And then as you read the script and, and like it gets further along, then you realize like, nah, man, like B is happening. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so contemporary horror with a, a memorable twist is like where I kind of like brand myself in like the, the niche that I'm kind of like sticking to. <laughs> Nice. I love that. It's kind of like, uh, I'm a huge fan of M night Shyamalan. Yeah. I, I know a lot of people have mixed feelings and, uh, whatever, but I'll always love that guy. Uh, the, the first few movies that he made, I was like, you know, 11 through like 14 or 15 years old, whenever mm -hmm. it was like the sixth sense and then signs and then unbreakable. And it, I was just like, I'll love that dude forever. What, yeah. what a hell of a run. Yeah. To start out with like all three of those are tremendous movies. And, and the thing about like M night is he's always swinging, like he's swinging for a home run every yes. single time. And that's what I appreciate about it because that's what like doing this is about. It's like, it's about trying to, to make art in the most unique way possible. And I feel like that's, that's M night. Like, like that's what he does. Yes, dude. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And also I really, you know, always respect uh the twists that he goes for mm -hmm. those huge swings and uh i've seen that in your work too i've i've read a few of your pieces and yeah i just think that that's uh, a really cool model uh 
kind of like a North star. Like I have my filmmakers who are kind of like my North star of what I try to do. Like I love like mm-hmm. Sean Baker and just the intense realism of the things that he does with dashes of comedy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. I yeah. definitely see that in your work too. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. Awesome. Uh, and M night just real quick, let me add this, like for sure. Like, yeah, M night gets a lot of criticism both from like film critics and even, you know, people in our circles who are trying to become filmmakers and mm-hmm. screenwriters. Mm-hmm. But the thing is like, it, everybody has to understand M night has a career that we all want. Like this guy has like a, a like multi deal with universal. They're like yeah. his like guy that he just makes whatever the F he wants to make. And yes, like, that dude. is our dream <laughs> as yeah. screenwriters and filmmakers. That is it. Like It will always <laughs> boggle my mind when people try to trash a guy like M night Shyamalan, who, when he came on the scene, it kind of changed everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, when he was dropping those early movies, like you couldn't, you couldn't look anywhere without seeing an article or anything about M night, you know, people, it's kind of like the way that they say, you know, like Robert Rodriguez or Quentin Tarantino in the mid nineties, right, right. when they came on, they kind of changed the industry and made, uh, I'm sure I can't remember. Cause I was young. And also I didn't have aspirations of being a filmmaker back then mm-hmm. when M night was dropping his earliest projects, but I would imagine that there was probably a shit ton of copycats. Mm-hmm. right yeah, after he yeah. dropped the way that everyone tried to kind of copycat that super uh uh wordy quentin tarantino dialogue uh-huh. uh that's very conversational um uh that really only quentin can do you know right, the way right. the way that he does it um yeah it's just the a, build you know the build of that dialogue and just how it, it comes to like a climax that's like extremely satisfying like sim- similarly, like I think what like kind of like what you're speaking of is like the Blair Witch, right? Like the Blair Witch project came out and then yeah. like everybody was trying to write their Blair Witch projects. You yes. Know? Yeah. Like, we we literally got like 10 to 15 years of found footage after mm-hmm. the Blair Witch, which was good for me because I love found footage. <laughs> me too, man. Me too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, so cool. I, I love that. Uh, and then, you know, it actually did maybe die down a little bit. But then when Paranormal Activity dropped in 2007, it kind of ramped back up. Yeah. The found footage genre. And I think, you know, studios like it because it's cheap. It is. You know, for the most part, if you're not doing like a ton of, you know, practical effects or anything. But right. uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. I'll always love M night and I'll always defend him. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. So this next question I think is kind of fun because I don't think I hear this question on many screenwriting pod- podcasts. Uh, all right. So Gabe, since yes. everyone's routine is unique, can you kind of describe your regular writing routine to me? Like, are you in the same spot every day? Do you like to move around? Do you like to go out public right. places or do you like to stay in your house? Do you drink coffee? Do you need to work out first? You know, like what's going right, on with your right. routine? Yeah. So like, um, thankfully, like I work from home and my schedule is extremely flexible. Um, uh, because I have kids, you know what I mean? So like, mm-hmm. of course there's times when I'm going to not want to just be sitting in front of the computer all the time. But, um, I, I got kind of like a nice little spot, like, um, like on my bottom floor and I live like in a little three-story townhome and, um, I can kind of get away and I kind of keep it dark in here, which, yeah, which I guess it's good for like, um, horror screenwriting. 
That's so on brand, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Like, Just knowing get... <laughs> you, that is so on brand. Yeah, I, I keep it dark, and it can it can feel pretty vampirish at times. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so my setup is pretty cool. So I have like a little workstation where I have two monitors on my left side. Um, I have a monitor where I keep like my notes and I keep like Google open in case I need to look something up as I'm writing. And then on my, my, my main monitors where I, I keep my script open and I typically like, I don't know, I'll drink like tea when I'm writing. Um, I'm not very big on coffee because of the anxiety that it, that it, uh, causes me <laughs> for sure i did drink coffee before this because i just like screenwriting causes anxiety too so i just wanted to be like you know in that screenwriting mode like I just love ready it, to- <laughs> dude. yeah i love it that is so fitting because like really screenwriting is just being in a constant state of anxiety for the rest yeah, yeah. of your life so Basically, yeah that's cool why not throw fuel on the fire yeah you know i just had to be like in the in that mode um yeah but yeah, like, I don't know, as far as like inspiration goes, you know, when, when those times come about, it's definitely after a podcast, if you know, I'm listening to like a screenwriting podcast, like, um, uh, any film hustle, mm-hmm. um, afterwards, it's like, I just want to go like, right. Like, I'm just so pumped to write. Like, so, like I'll even like when I'm in the shower, like I'll listen to, um, you know, like lore with Aaron Mankey. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you've heard that or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have, okay. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's excellent. And um mm-hmm. something like that just really like pumps me up and helps the the ideas like flow. And so then I'll kind of like retreat uh into my little den. But the time the time of day though, which I guess it does conflict with having kids, the time of the day where I usually am the most inspired and, and mm-hmm. just everything really flows is in the evening. Mm-hmm. You know, like maybe around like like after dinner. That's when yeah. like I, I could just get lost in, in writing and um, I, I have a, a really good time doing it. And I think you said something about maybe music as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you um, do you like silence? Do you like music? Anything else? Like for me, I like to do this is kind of nerdy but I'll look up a, a binaural beats track on YouTube, which is yeah. just like a kind of a droning sound. They say that it's like, it can affect your brain waves and different, I don't buy in all that shit. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, honestly, maybe. but uh, if so, then cool. But I kind of just love like a droning sound. That's not music. Cause if it's legit music, I'll just want to listen to the songs and get lost in that. Mm-hmm. I need to just have like noise, but I'll, and sometimes I just prefer silence, but anyway, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, any music or anything? Yes. Yeah, so that's kind of funny because um, also like, as far as like, you know, where I write, I say like, I like to retreat and kind of get away. I, I remember on my first script, I, I wrote like in the kitchen, you know, where my kids were like hanging around and stuff. And I felt like I was flowing and stuff, but then I went back and read my material, like objectively <laughs> and realized that the tone like kept changing. And mm-hmm. I think that's due to the fact that I was writing in an environment where the tone was like ever changing with like, kids you know what i mean it's like the tone i was trying to write horror but there'd be like maybe some stuff that's maybe a little over the top maybe too funny where you felt like you're reading a comedy or something that like you feel like all of a sudden you're reading just drama or you're um you know reading mainly like a thriller i just felt like the tones were like all over the place Mm -hmm. and so and then i started getting away and like retreating And, and one way i do keep the tone like even is I do listen to music but like mm-hmm. you're saying like it's very very rare that I listen to music that actually has 
like somebody singing in it. Sure. I typically listen to like the Hacks and Cloak. You know, um, he's worked with Ari Aster. Um, mm. I'll listen to like High Lung, and this they're, they're kind of like a unique uh, like Nordic band. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have like singing, but it's in a different language, so I don't understand yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, and, and so I'll listen to you know soundtracks from films like Sinister, yeah. just to stay within that that tone that I'm going for. And usually, I'll actually find like one track that I'm like, okay, this is the story, and I'll just play that track on repeat at extremely low volume, like in my headphones, mm-hmm. just to try to keep. Like I did that with um, my last feature script and I've gotten a lot of comments on the tone of that script being like mm. so good, so phenomenal and so like even. And I, I kind of like, I don't know, I give credit to, you know, that, the music that I was listening to during it to try and keep me balanced. Yeah, definitely. I'm yeah. I'm big on that too. Uh, when I start a new project, I'll go through Spotify and just look up songs, and these mm-hmm. are actual songs with lyrics and everything that um, yeah. that kind of fit the tone of the movie. And sometimes it's like even lyrical content fits what the character is yeah. experiencing. Um, there's this one. Uh, do you know the song by The Strokes? Uh, Someday. I haven't, I haven't okay. heard it. Okay, cool. So mm-hmm. there's like, a, it's an older song that I used to love when I was a kid. It came out in like 2001. Uh, and it's a very upbeat rock song. And then in like the last few years, um, this uh, singer-songwriter named Julia Jacklin does a stripped down kind of version of it that's oh, cool. soft and a whole different attack, but the lyrics are the same. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it's like, it takes this fun, upbeat pop song rock song and makes it into this like kind of haunting eerie slow dramatic uh song and lyrically it fits so much with this uh old project that i was writing and uh, i would just go for walks around my neighborhood when i was like feeling stumped uh, Mm -hmm. working on the script and uh i would just go for walks and listen to it and i would listen to it over and over and just be seeing the movie unfold in my head so i can very much relate to that that's yeah that's awesome yeah Yeah. and then also like you know scores and stuff like that totally i actually have talked to a few writers who do that you know find what tonally works and sometimes it's like when i'm working on this scene i'll listen to this score track yeah yeah and then this scene i'll do this score track yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like music, um, is extremely helpful. Like when I was just kind of like going back to talking about YouTube, when I was doing YouTube and I would go out and like, you know, film my clips and go and edit it. I would edit it to the music because music in itself, like the song already tells a story. And so I could actually enhance that story that the song tells by Mm -hmm. the images and how I compile the images with, within the, my edit and stuff. So like, like music is, is definitely helpful and and kind of like, you know, talking, it's, it's actually very interesting that you mentioned a song that was kind of reworked by a different artist Mm -hmm. to bring a more um, solemn tone Mm -hmm. because my script I'm writing right now, um, I don't know. Have you heard of Johnny Cash's song? I walk the line. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like there's this, <clears throat> this band called those poor bastards mm-hmm. and I think they, I've heard of them. Yeah. They're okay. They're, they're really creepy. They're like kind of like um Southern Gothic. Yeah. 
and uh, they redid his song and it's like the perfect feel for like what I'm going for. And so I, I've been like listening to that one a lot. It's just funny that, you know, we have like similar experience with the song being reworked. Yeah. And it's cool too. Cause like, you know, music and film are different mediums and uh, of course music and writing are different mediums, but it's all art, you know, it is, it's yeah. all art. We're all we're doing is creating art and finding those inspirations. And it's kind of like that, uh, that Tarantino quote, Oh God, I sound like such a fucking film student <laughs> just talking about Tarantino over and over, but he has a good quote. That's like, yes. I steal from every movie ever made. Mm-hmm. And, I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. And when I got started in writing, I was like, well, I don't because I'm very original. All my thoughts are original, (laughs) so I'm not going to do that. And now uh, it's like I get really excited when I find the thing that I'm going to steal from a different movie that I love. You know what I mean? And you don't steal it to a T, but it's like, oh, this is like that. What if I did? What if I did that? Like uh, in the short that I just made, Ethan and Edna, there's like moments where you're like, oh shit, this could be a play on on that moment from this movie. And if people can calculate that in their mind, that that's what they're seeing, then cool, you know? But yeah, yeah, I used to like just be an idiot. And I thought, you know, well, I'm never going to steal from anything. Yeah, because I'm the most (laughs) unique person on the planet. Um, Original. Yeah, just a fucking idiot. And And I was like, why would Quentin Tarantino, one of the most prolific, famous filmmakers, say that? And now I get it because it's like all the greats love to see things that inspire them. And it could be music. It could be a poem, you know, this or that. But yeah, you you take art that resonates with you anywhere and you find ways to get inspired by it. And maybe you do insert it in your work and maybe you don't. You know, that Mm -hmm. song Someday by Julia Jacqueline, it's not in the movie and I don't think it would be in the movie but it's just the feel and the vibe that like, for some reason that song makes me think exactly of my two protagonists in that story and what they're experiencing. And yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's all art, you know? And I just think it's awesome how, you know, we, I I just love creativity, I guess, Mm -hmm. you know, I just love people uh, appreciating each other's creativity and any creative art. And that's what it is really. It's like, you know, cause I know like uh, you hear, Oh, this is like this, or they just stole this. Like a lot of times, a lot of times it's not stealing as much as it is like tipping their hat, you know, mm-hmm. to the creator yes. that, that did it. And mm-hmm. like, I've done that in my writings, like, just as you mentioned, you know, like how you've brought that out in Ethan and Edna, mm-hmm. you know, it, and it's just really me saying like, man, I admire their work. I admire what they they were able to accomplish. And this is a tip to the hat. Like you, like, I mean, look at, um, like I'm mentioning Ari Aster again, he is my favorite writer and director, mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, you look at like Midsommar and then you look at the wicker man and it's like, well, those are basically the same like movie. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> totally. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's really interesting. You say that too, cause that's what I didn't understand before. Cause mm-hmm. I, when I thought that way, like, Oh, well, I'm going to be original the whole time. Uh, I was just so new to this stuff. I was so new to screenwriting. I was so, I don't think I'd written a feature yet when I thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I totally see it like, no, it's a sign of respect and a tip right, of the cap, like you said, you know, it's appreciating. And also in a way sharing that idea that that filmmaker had with maybe a new audience, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, just it's, it's paying homage 
you know yeah i never is. know if it's you great. say homage or homage <laughs> but i just feel like a dipshit saying homage so i said homage <laughs> uh, like the missouri fucker that i am <laughs> anyway uh, okay so we spent quite a bit on uh on the routine and then yeah. so like about just the process of mm-hmm. writing uh how do you attack it when you have a new idea do you like jump into an outline right away do you try to nail down a log line? Do you come up with a title or can you roll untitled? Um, or do you just start writing pages? You know, I feel like everyone is so unique and it's so fascinating to me learning other people's process. So what is your process when you have a new idea? Yeah. Um, so, you know, even kind of like taking a little bit of a step back, uh, a little further before I haven't like how I get an idea. Like, I mean, it obviously just like comes to my brain, but usually it's the twist of mm-hmm. the, of the script. Um, and, and then I kind of like get other ideas that kind of like build around the twist of the script, but I'll like pick up my phone. I'll jot down in my notes. Okay. This, you know, happens. Um, and then from there, what I used to do is just like, right. Like I just, I used to <laughs> just write. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'd be like, okay, I want to be here. I want to be this part of my story. Like after I've, after I've jotted down notes, I want to be like at this part of my story by page 30 at this part of my story by page 60, this you know, part of my story by page 90. Mm-hmm. I've since like gotten kind of away from that. And, and now I'm like more structured and mm-hmm. it's been extremely helpful to be more structured. Um, but yeah, so after I, I get the idea, you know, I'll, I'll jot down different like plot points within like an outline. And like right now I've been, been mainly using uh, like Save the Cats outline. And I highly encourage everybody to get, in, to do an outline, to do, it'll, yeah. it'll save you in the future, in the future. Like, trust me. Like I, like I said before, I didn't do outlines because I thought like, you know, I'm original. Like we were just talking about, like, I'm the best, yeah. I'm, you know, I'm a badass, and I got this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, with used to be the shit. Guidance. It's weird. We, I, we used to be fucking yeah. amazing. What happened? <laughs> Did we get humbled? Is that what happened? I think, I think so. I think I got humbled. <laughs> yeah, same, same, same. I got my ass kicked by many a contest and feedbacks. Yes. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. But um, anyway, that's, uh, I, I, I think that's so interesting. And especially for your brand and horror in general, you know, the the classic horror twist is such an important part of a great horror movie. Yeah. Um, or a great thriller. But um, I think that's so interesting that you start usually from a twist. And I think that's fucking awesome. Yeah, it's like usually like I'll just have something that's like, you know, like some crazy idea. Like, well, what if this was happening? But this is how it turned out. And then I'm like, okay, cool. Like I'm going to jot that down. And then I kind of like build a story around that. Mm-hmm. Okay. How can I trick the audience into thinking this is happening? And then at this point when the twist is revealed, be like, oh shit, now this is actually what is happening. Yeah. And um, like, sometimes I'm successful and sometimes I'm not, you know what I mean? For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, Especially things like that, where any movie with a big twist, like we were saying with M night, it's mm-hmm. a huge swing every time, yeah. every single time you're taking a huge swing because People are either going to get it and be genuinely surprised, shocked, all the things that you want them to be. Mm-hmm. Or another scenario is they saw it coming from a mile away and that sucks. Yeah. Um, or it just doesn't land with them and they think, what the fuck? Why did they do that? 
right you know right. that's such yeah, a bad decision so like i feel like that's so much more brave than the shit that i write <laughs> like, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta really take a huge swing when you're writing stuff with a twist and yeah and i found that too that it's like you know uh, i mean we all kind of have that feedback where somebody loves your script and the next person like hates it and stuff yep. and i i really find that to be a thing with like my scripts is like some people, like you're saying, like they'll get it and they'll be like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. And then other people are like, nah, bro, like you completely miss this. And it's like, yeah. okay, it's all subjective and stuff. So yeah, that's I mean, fine. it really is too. And for like any screenwriters out there who are maybe just getting started, that's probably the best thing that you can learn for your own sanity as early as you possibly can that, you know, uh, Aaron Sorkin generally agreed upon to be one of the best screenwriters that we've seen, um, probably goes through the same shit of one person saying this is incredible. And one person saying, this is dog shit. I don't get it. Why did you do this? Uh, maybe not at Sorkin's level now, but coming up when he was still a great talent, but he just wasn't quite Aaron Sorkin yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it happened to him. And yes, I'm putting myself and Gabe in the conversation with Aaron Sorkin. I think that our <laughs> names deserve to be up there next yes. to him, just us three. Um, but okay. yeah, anyway, uh, that's something that you should just get used to as soon as you can. It happens all the time. It's probably never going to stop. Uh, I would imagine that when you get up in that upper echelon and you're producing feature films or shows on a regular basis, that you're going to have that now no longer with peers and, you know, contest people, but executives and producers and, you know, all the conflicting notes that they get and all those classic Hollywood stories of, you know, a great artist script being torn apart by people who've never written in their lives, you know, maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just something to really get used to because the mental health battle of this field is so much of the battle and becoming mentally strong is as early as you can is, uh, and it's tough too. It's not easy because, you know, when you spend hours and hours working on a project only to be told that it sucks, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking really heartbreaking it's really frustrating and the imposter syndrome of maybe i'm not supposed to be doing this um other people are supposed to be doing this but not me uh it's 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 a really tough battle um and i know me and you we've been friends for a while now and Mm -hmm. uh like i said you were one of my first you were my first friend that i reached out to or did you reach out to me on screenwriting um, Twitter. I think I reached out to you. I don't I'm know. I'm not really sure. It's kind of like mutual. We both like had really good uh, feedback from We Screenplay. And that's ah. how we, we kind of like found, e- we, we saw each other's like posts or something Got like that. It. Yeah. I remember with you, <laughs> I just saw, um, yeah, you got a recommend from We Screenplay, I think for the yeah. Wolf Spider mm-hmm. of Seattle. Yep. Uh, I just thought it sounded really cool. I thought the name was dope. And, uh, and then I read it and it's an incredible script that Gabe wrote called the wolf spider of Seattle. So let me ask this, uh, on average, and it's different with everyone and it's always going to be different for each project, but on average, how long do you usually spend on a first draft from idea to finished draft? A month. I like to get it for a first draft. Uh, you know, like the, any, I mean, 
getting a first draft done is just no matter how long or short it takes, it's just a, such a feat, man. It's like, it's so hard. Like you're literally creating a world from scratch and you're <laughs> adding stakes and you're creating characters and putting emotions in there. And that's just like, absolutely like insane. Like, you know, regardless yeah. of how long that draft takes you, you know what I yeah. mean? It's just, I, I think that too. And like, cause when we were talking about you writing, maybe coming up with a twist first and building out, like, I mean, this is just kind of corny, but like, isn't it just amazing that a script gets written to be so layered and textured and, you know, just like intricate yeah. um, there, when you read a good one, you know, right. It's, yeah. it's just juggling so many things at once, you know, and it's so much deeper than just plot and character and you know the twist it's like i mean you're all the subtext that you got to put in there the things that the characters are saying without saying a word yeah and like when someone does that shit well it's just like you feel it and you just can't stop turning pages yeah and, it's, um, it's the nerdy part of screenwriting it know, is it's... yeah and that's yeah that's how you kind of know yeah, if you're a writer and you've ever felt that way reading a, a, a script it's you know it's it's powerful shit but yeah. um and like you said, you know, with listening to a podcast or something or whatever and getting excited to write mm-hmm. all the time, I'll read a piece of someone's script and be like, oh, my God, I just want to get back to my laptop and work on my thing now because yeah. I'm just so inspired. Yeah. Um, and I think like first drafts, too, you know, just for anyone listening and thinking about time frames, I wouldn't put any pressure on yourself at all. Like, I think that I, what I really admire as someone who is a bit too much of a perfectionist and a little OCD when I write that I think works against me sometimes is, um, yeah, I I have a real stress, like the first draft, all the main plot points and stuff need to be set. Like Mm, they all need to be perfect. What it's going to be in draft 20 Mm -hmm, needs to be that still. Um, which is not the case and it's not a good way of thinking about it. And I really admire people who are like, yeah, I just bang out a 140 page draft knowing that I'm going to get it down to 90. Yeah. And they're like, I just want to vomit all my ideas and everything. And like my brain just doesn't work like that. And I guess an important point to make to anyone listening is that they're both. Okay. Definitely. It's all valid. Um, You'll find who you are as a writer And I would say when you do find who you are as a writer, maybe there's circumstances where this isn't true, but I would say don't try to fight it and rather lean into it. Like I said, I Mm. know that my OCD and my need for perfection in my first drafts isn't necessarily a great thing, but I try to use it to my advantage now because it's who I am. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if you're going to spend that much time on this in the first draft and put that much emphasis on it being you know, this has to be what it is, then think really hard, think really long and hard mm-hmm. and make sure that from every angle you're getting this right. Um, and it's not, it's not always the case, you know, of course <laughs> right. I, I look back and I'm like, shit, but like suplex for the most part, most of those plot points are the same That's awesome. throughout, throughout the entire thing. Like uh, really the bones of the script haven't changed that much. And that was my first feature. And it was like, and don't get me wrong, there's tons of new elements mm-hmm. in the script and new pieces of dialogue and the way that things unfold. But like the general plot points, the main beats 
are all the same. That's awesome. And yeah. And like, you know, with um, bellyache, it's kind of the same. And, but a, a huge part of that though, is that I take longer on my first draft than most, I think. Right. Uh, and like th- three months also, by the way, is like <clears throat> a good time frame for me. Like whenever I wrote beneath the roots, when we were in a writer's group together, mm-hmm. writing horror, uh, that took me four from conception to first draft. Mm-hmm. And I was working on it a lot yeah, because yeah. I was unemployed during the pandemic and I was really working on that script a lot and uh, took me four months to get to that first draft. So like, again, you know, like for anyone listening, don't beat yourself up <clears throat> if you can't crank, <clears throat> excuse me, if you can't crank out a draft in a shorter amount of time. I mean, and, you know, friends. Yeah. I mean, like to like you see it on screenwriting Twitter, like all the time people posting it, just like a lot of professionals, you know, just get the words on the paper, just get the words on the paper, just get the words on the paper or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess it's not paper. It's like on the screen, but in the program, yeah. in the software. Yeah. I cannot <laughs> believe that you said paper. <laughs> right. Jesus. Like, well, I think it, um, but the, then that's the main, that's the main point. Like my, my qu- quickest draft eight days, like 90 pages. Holy that was shit. With, that was with what happened to Johanna. And I, and like, that's the uh-huh. one like where I really just was like listening to music. I was like in the like fucking zone, man. And, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. but here's, here's, here's the, the point of that, right. Is I'm still working on what happened to Johanna. I mm-hmm. got the draft done, right. Whether mm-hmm. it's like eight, eight weeks or eight days, excuse me, whether it's um, a month, whether it's, mm-hmm. you know, three months, four months, once you get the draft done, you have something to work with. And that is like the main important thing. Give yourself something to work with because oftentimes, like at least what I found is my first, my first draft draft is typically like just a better outline than my outline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then I yeah. got to kind of go through and patch some things up. Yeah. 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 Like in my outlines, I put random lines of dialogue but nothing concrete. So whenever you write that first draft, it's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I wrote all the dialogue yeah. that I intend to have in it, you know, not just a couple one-liners that are going to be helpful to me from my outline to first draft process. <clears throat> now it's an actual scene with yeah. a beginning, middle and end. Um, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, they're, they're all, they're a constant work in pro- progress, like suplex and bellyache for me now are probably like the closest thing to done that I have because I have re- like suplex. I literally think I'm on like draft 28 yeah. and uh bellyache. I think I'm on like 21 mm-hmm. and so, and you know, those rewrites, I, I think maybe some people are like thinking, and I used to think this too. I remember hearing Jonah Hill talking about mid nineties and he said the script was like 33 drafts or something. And I was like, Ah, because when he said that, I wasn't as far along as I am now, which I'm still not that far along, but I'm further. Um, And I thought that was ridiculous, but I didn't consider that like with me, with a lot of my rewrites, it's just going through and doing a sweep for like, hey, can I clean up the language in these action lines? Mm -hmm. You know, can I tighten up the wording? Uh, Is any are any sentences a little awkward or, you know, clunky? is there a way to change this person's dialogue in a very minor way? Yeah. You know, but that I think is just a little bit stronger. And that's how you get to like a truly polished thing. Like 
for me, there were days where I would have no intention of working on suplex and I would open up the draft for whatever reason. Maybe someone, you know, contacted me like, Hey, you know, I would like to read this. That's a more rare occasion, (laughs) but like, maybe I'm like submitting to a contest Mm -hmm. and I'm like, you know, I should just peruse this one more time. And then I find myself in a four day rewrite where I'm just walking just <laughs> randomly and I'm just walking through the script in final draft and reading in final draft and just making those subtle changes as I go along Yeah, and uh, all the way to the end. And sometimes it turns into a nightmare scenario where it's like, I bit off more than I could chew. I was working on this other thing and I literally just like stumbled into suplex and now I'm on this fucking huge rewrite trying to uh, fix things up. But mm-hmm. like, anyway, yeah, they, they live with you forever. They do. Yeah. Um, and until that thing is either sold and put into production or it's actually up on a screen, you know, it's always a work in progress. Yeah. 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 Um, so moving right along, let's see. So when you complete a first draft, mm-hmm. uh, what's the first thing you do? Do you like to put it away for a little bit? Do you like to immediately start on your second draft? Do you like to send it out to peers for them to read and review? Or do you like to use like a service like we screenplay? Uh, what's your first thing after you type the end? Um, so with the, with the, like my first draft, I definitely go through and like, I, I feel like I have to polish it. You know what I mean? So I'll go through and, and use synonyms and, you know, just kind of like change words, make sure I'm not using too much of the same word. Uh, make sure my action lines and description are like very concise um, and to the point. And so I'll go through and I'll, I'll polish it. And um, I won't actually send it out. Like I know we're talking about after the fir- first draft and that would be like considered probably <laughs> second draft, but um, I won't send it out until I believe that I have done everything that I like have, like I could to it. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. And, you know, and that could be that's, and I, I typically don't like set it away for like a month and then come back to it. So I'll do everything I can, you know, to it. And then if I'm like, well, I've, I can't think of anything else, then I'll send it out to, to peers. But it wasn't like that at first. Right. Because I didn't know anybody. Right. Like I didn't, right. I didn't know you. Like, so I couldn't yeah. be like, Hey Andy, what do you think about this? Like, so I would send it to what I did know, which were like, like, um, screenwriting, um, I don't know, companies that provide script services. Um, so like we screenplay was like a, a huge one that like I would always use and, and still do occasionally. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, since I've kind of, I don't know, met other screenwriters who I trust, you know, for their like opinions and, and thoughts and stuff, um, mm-hmm. who write similar stuff, mm-hmm. then I'll send it to them and get feedback from them. And then I'll go into like more rewrites. And then um, from there, I'm, uh, I might send it into like a, a, uh, a company and get their thoughts on it as well. I think that's important, mm-hmm. honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. I really do. And, yeah. and then I'll submit it to, to contests after that. And, you know, I, I know like we already mentioned this, but it is really, really subjective, you know? It, yes, it is yeah. really, really tremendously. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm sure most of us out there <clears throat> already have our horror stories of, you know, a script being read this way in this contest. Mm-hmm. 
in the first round. And then in the second round, it's the polar opposite reaction. Right. Um, and if you haven't uh, submitted the contests or feedback or anything, you're kind of newer to screenwriting. Just know that that's probably going to happen to you. And it's baffling every time. It doesn't matter how far into this shit you get. It's always baffling. So it's just something you got to accept is that um, kind of that thing of like nobody knows anything. You really, know, truly. Uh, it's it's so subjective. It's art. It's not it's not something that's rooted in strict logic, mm-hmm. you know, where there is a right and there is a wrong. It's not true. You can do whatever you fucking want. Right. In film. And I. Uh, it, yeah, I think um, like one thing, like I was talking to a friend recently and like one thing to always remember is your very first draft could have an audience. It it very much could have an audience, right? Mm-hmm. Like your my goal as a, as a you know screenwriter, filmmaker is to have the biggest audience, right? And that's mm-hmm. where you kind of get like feedback from to try and get the biggest audience. But do understand that that first draft that you crank out, even as shitty as it is, somebody's whether it's your family you know like your mom your dad whatever um there is an audience there for it um and to just remember that because that is like encouraging right and and that kind of helps you know that at a certain point like when it comes to like the getting feedback and changing your script um, in the end, like you have to be like really, really happy with it. Like you have to be the one that's happy with it and, um, just like keep that baseline of, okay, well, everybody's not going to like it. Right. It's not yep. like everybody's going to like it. And that's the whole point of remembering that your very first draft could have an, could have an audience is everybody's not going to like it. And you got to know when to like call it. Um, but to also take it further than that first draft and do get those eyes on it. So that way that you can um, have the biggest audience that, that you can have. Yeah. Interestingly enough too, to piggyback off that I've heard so many professional writers and people in the industry, you know, the quote unquote gatekeepers um, talk about how, you know, it's, it's funny. We want to play to the biggest audience that we can, Mm -hmm. but sometimes you, you find that the most niche thing that you wrote that, you know, is so targeted and specific ends up being the biggest far reaching thing that you could have written. Like for me, I don't think that many people who like suplex mm-hmm. like backyard wrestling yeah. or even professional wrestling. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but I love you know, your script. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yeah. And it's like, uh, and I've found that about so many different things that I, so many different movies I like, I think part of it is the fun and in being introduced to a brand new world. And, you know, me as an outsider, what is this world like? And if you can really, you know, tell me the intricacies of this world that I know nothing about, then yeah, it's captivating, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's just so funny to me how, we we want this big audience and it's like sometimes writing that hyper specific thing that no one knows anything about is going to end up being your most far reaching and successful work um and and i think it's also a mistake for screenwriters especially new screenwriters trying to find their voice and find their brand and find their audience it's a mistake i think to try to be a people pleaser and please yeah. everyone 
it's just, in my opinion, going to hinder your creative creativity. And at the end of the day, we want to know, especially your earliest work, people want to know who you are. Mm-hmm. And the, the, the more that you can put you onto that page, um, really suplex is about insecurity. It's about mm-hmm. insecurity in life, about am I even someone who's capable of taking the next step in life? Or right. am I not good enough? Am I not smart enough? Am I not, you know, handsome enough? Am I not whatever? Um, that's what it's about. It's about mm-hmm. being kind of scared and then trying to break through that, which is a relatable theme. Yeah. Um, and it's about this hyper-specific subject, but, you know, it's a relatable thing. And, uh, and I put so much of myself and my insecurities, you know, into that script uh, and I think that's why it's even been remotely successful mm-hmm. is because it does say something about me, you know, okay. and it's, it's the other thing is like, I don't want to fucking broadcast that shit about myself that I'm like this weak, scared person to the <laughs> world. You know, I don't want to be that person, but isn't that who we all kind of are and, you know, deep down, yeah. you know, aren't, don't yeah. we all feel those things? And I think that's like part of what, you know, makes films and stories special is sometimes they say the things that we're all too scared to say out loud that mm-hmm. we do feel or with horror, you know, I feel like so much of horror, you know, is, you know, themes of, you know, processing grief yeah, and, um, you know, just uh, fear of the unknown and things like that, which are all hyper relatable things to the human experience. Um, so the more that you can like kind of look at it from that lens, I think is really going to help you what do you have to say? I mean, if you're, if we're going to be writers, it really boils down to why are we doing it? What do we want to say? Yeah. And like, just, you know, like you could, you obviously like, like I was, you know, saying is like, you, you, you do have an audience to your first draft. So you like, you make suplex and you like, you know, your mom's going to love it. Right. Like your first draft. So, you know, I'm so proud of you. And, uh, Mm -hmm. and then you go on from there and somebody, you could get to a point where somebody's like, yeah, backyard wrestling. I don't know about that. Like, that's kind of mm-hmm. like, I don't think you should put that in there. And that's when you got to like connect those two to where it's like, okay, I've, I've kind of like taken advice from other people and gotten feedback and polished other things. But that's when you kind of got to put the brakes on and be like, no, I, I, I did have an, I, I could have an audience on my first draft and I want to mm-hmm. kind of stick to what the heart of, of this project project is um yep yep because someone could have easily told me i think you should make it like maybe bmx biking yeah yeah totally you know, change change it completely sure you know, some right. maybe it's a sport that's like more relevant that's like kind of taken off today yeah. you know yeah couldn't this be a college basketball story yeah yeah you know it's yeah, like, yeah it could i mean yeah but like you know the whole point of it is to be quirky and weird mm. in this kind of unknown world but yeah yeah. So um, I guess, I don't know what stay true to your, your, your vision is kind of like mm-hmm. what that kind of all sums, sums yeah. down to like, and, and it's funny because all of this shit is a balancing beam. It is. Cause it's like, yes, stay true to your own vision, but not to the point where you're going to yeah. cancel out opportunities, <laughs> right? you know, because like, like I said in the beginning, I didn't understand why Quentin Tarantino would ever steal from a movie. Cause my ideas are the best. I would never steal from a movie. Yeah. And then you get humbled. And it's like, okay, so I don't always know what's right for my story. Yeah. I just don't. Uh, I, my, my brain exists in this space 
and you need that outside perspective to come in and read it through a different lens with a different life experience, uh, a different place in the world, and to come in and read it until you can give honest thoughts. And sometimes something that is just, you know, I know that we've had this conversation before about blind spots. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just have blind spots in your own mind, in your own writing, and there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally human. But it, it, there's a point where it becomes important to listen to outside voices. So, yeah, it's just a balancing act. And it's so hard to figure it out while. And I, I think we're both still figuring it out. Oh, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. every day. But um, there is a fine line between trusting your voice, trusting your intuition about what the story should be and listening to an outside voice who has a good idea, mm-hmm. you know, cause yeah. there's a lot of bad ideas for your story yeah. that aren't going to work. And you <laughs> do know what's right. So yeah, it's just a fine line and it's so hard ne- to navigate. Mm-hmm. And again, we're, we're playing in a sport where there are no rules. Right. There are rules, but not really. You, know, yeah. you can do whatever you want in your story. Um, some of them might not be great ideas. Um, yeah. I, I, so anyway, to change gears a little bit, um, what, what are some of your hobbies outside of screenwriting that kind of help you keep your sanity? <laughs> I, I think it's important. You I've gone through phases <laughs> where I'm like, I need to be writing at least like 12 hours a day and just only focusing on that. And the burnout is real. It certainly is. Uh, yeah, definitely something that isn't hundred percent necessary is to have hobbies and uh man i have a lot like i really like uh, you know i like going on drives i live in virginia and virginia is like the prettiest state like i've I've ever lived in i've lived in a few states i've traveled across country and i just i love it out here uh if you're into like farmlands and rolling hills and just kind of like historic things like you yeah your photography that you post is really really beautiful it looks like a beautiful place yeah yeah yeah. and I, i like going out you know taking pictures um taking video um so that's like outside like going on walks and stuff or just going to the historic sites around the area you know i live so close to dc it's like really awesome to be able to go over there um one of my biggest hobbies is like food like i i fucking love food (laughs) yeah dude (laughs) we have such good restaurants here in virginia that's um, awesome. Just some like dining experiences. I've, I've never thought I would ever be able to be a part of. I've been a part of here in Virginia and, yeah. um, and there's some, there's depth to it. You know, I just, I didn't realize how, how deep dining goes, but it goes deep. And so I, I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. And then, you know, like I have two little girls, I love, you know, hanging out with them and, and, uh, just watching them grow, just listening to them talk and then kind of spoiling of them and taking, how old are they? A uh, seven and five. Yeah. Oh, okay. Five. That's fun, dude. Yeah. And they're, they're, they're hilarious. They're little people now. Yeah. They're little people with per- full on personalities yeah. and ideas. And yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and just like teaching them and, and, and watching them think for themselves is, is a, is a like the best thing yeah. in my life right now. So um, for sure. Other than that, like playing video games and watching movies, you know? Yeah, man. Yep. Same. Uh, video games are huge for me mm-hmm. and I don't even play like a ton of games. It's literally just like something to do other than thinking about film and mm-hmm. bullshit. 
you know yeah uh, i like playing uh, i'm a huge hockey fan so like you know that's a huge hobby of yeah. mine but like i also love playing nhl on ps4 you know and just yeah. getting away from it and i have also pro tip for people who are casual gamers i play on the pro difficulty rather than the superstar difficulty because then i win every time <laughs> it's not even that hard and i'm taking so many l's every day in the screen <laughs> and like the film world that like dude at least when i play that game i'm gonna fucking win i'm gonna crush it uh, i also don't play online because like 12 year old kids just beat the shit <laughs> out of me and it's so, dude it's so disheartening um that's smart. So yeah, uh, play video games on easier mode. So it's not that hard because you you're going to take your L's in the writing world. So yeah, get a couple W's when you can. <laughs> mm, yeah. Hey, if you want to do something that shows like quick results, just go like mow your grass. You know what I mean? Like it'll look yeah, good dude. afterwards. Feels good. That is straight up <laughs> some good advice though, for real. Uh, and this topic is so important when you're first writing and starting, you know what I mean? Because you can, you can really get into the mindset of like, well, if I'm not reading about screenwriting, listening, to, you know, to something about screenwriting or screenwriting yeah, or, or something to do with screenwriting, then you're like getting behind, right? Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you're going to miss your opportunity. And yeah, that can be a really, really bad mindset to get into and like Damn. having that hobby. Cause I've been there hundred percent. Right. Me too. And it's a scary mindset to get into yep. um, because joy and happiness will leave you real quick. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, again, being 33, I didn't find screenwriting until I was, I think, 28 when I first started thinking about trying it. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, five years later, I'm here. But like, I always had this feeling of playing catch up, you know, because yeah. I also didn't even go to college until late. Like my my path was like you know, I dropped out of high school. I didn't even get a GED until I was 25. Mm -hmm. I didn't start college until I was almost 27. So there's this feeling in me of playing catch up. You know, uh, I feel like I wasted so much time that I'm yeah. trying to play catch up. So in the beginning of my writing career, yeah, I would just constantly be like, you need to be doing something productive towards your screenwriting career at all times. Yeah. And uh, if it's waking up and writing, all day and then when you get in the car you better have a podcast on yeah. learning about this shit and like i mean it's like you said and then come home don't take time to yourself mm -hmm. sit at that laptop and write more and it, it actually does more harm than good it does yeah i think the best thing that you can do is to find a routine so if you're someone like you who you find that you do your best writing in the evening after dinner uh -huh. maybe in the morning schedule other life stuff Right. You know, yeah. that isn't writing, you know, cause you know, cause that's how you maximize your productivity. Right. Right. You know, your peak writing times. There's something for me too, that I'm still, I'm kind of contradicting myself right now. and being a hypocrite, but like I'll write in the morning, but I kind of know there is something to the evening when my brain, like, it's like a creative part of my brain switches mm. on at night. Mm -hmm. um but usually i'm like just wanting to wind down and watch a movie or whatever but like yeah i found that sometimes my best writing comes whenever i force myself to get to it you know around 7 p.m oh yeah, yeah. You know, 8 p.m um so it's kind of just you know i mean i think that if you can figure out who you are as a creator and how you um how, how you like to do things there's a way to schedule your days and maximize your productivity 
Right. Right. And like, that's in my opinion, like, I wouldn't think that that's like hypocritical or contradictory. I just think that that is like what you just said. Like you're kind of like knowing you and the, the, the main thing is, is, you know, no matter what time during the day you schedule time for yourself is to have that time for yourself and yeah. to have that time doing like other, other things. And, you know, maybe someday, maybe there's a day you don't do that. Okay. There's, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what job you have, like in life, there are some days where you're just going to have to work your ass off. Right. And that's the same thing with screenwriting. It's just like getting stuck in that work your ass off can just kind of seep the life out of you. Yeah. And we haven't even gotten into the professional side of having strict deadlines, you know, like uh, being hired to write something. And so that's going to be a whole nother level of stress, <laughs> right. but, um, but it's also good to set deadlines for yourself before you get to that point. Like I try to do that, you know, like yeah. I want to have this first draft done by, you know, December 7th. Mm-hmm. That's it. I think that's a good thing, but um, so that's good. Uh, I love hearing too. I already kind of knew this about you, but I love hearing uh, people's hobbies outside of screenwriting. I always think that that's interesting. Uh, cause it's also, those things are probably going to bleed into your scripts at some point, you know, right. it's what you know. Right. And like, um, I mean, like, shoot, like I had to get to a point like recently where I was just like, okay, I need to like take a step back, you know, honestly. And, and, um, cause you get caught up in the ups and downs of it. I had some like really cool things happen. I've also had some really terrible things happen, like with, when it comes to screenwriting right. and I, you know, take a step back and just kind of go live life and, and have a good time. And then when I'm out there, it's like, fuck, I get like the best ideas for stuff for my scripts. And then I, you know, it's like, oh, I could do that. And that could make it way more streamlined and connect with people, but also like, you know, still be a cool, unique story, you know? And that's when I'm out and I'm not thinking about screenwriting, you know? The brain is fucking mysterious. It (laughs) It is. Like we, we, there's so much that we don't know about it. You know, Um, like even like on a, you know, people much smarter than me, but like for us as writers, you know, it's funny how, yeah, you, you say, fuck this, I'm taking a break, uh, which also is super healthy, super normal. Mm -hmm. Uh, the, the grind 24 seven mindset is not great. Uh, if you're someone who thinks you need a break, take a fucking break, take the break. It's all good. Screenwriting is going to be there uh you know go enjoy your life and like you said it's so funny how when you do that you end up getting that breakthrough idea for that thing that you were struggling with yeah. in your script um it's very important to live life outside of this stuff i mean if you if you're having a hard time and you're like feeling terrible about like screenwriting losses like maybe you like sucked at some competitions or you know even though that's subjective you know what i mean you're feeling like you suck cuz you didn't yeah. make it in, into um, some competitions and stuff. So you feel like you got to grind harder. You feel like you got to put more time into it and not take that break. I guarantee you the feeling that you're going to experience by like not taking a break is going to be way, way worse than Mm -hmm. dropping out of a contest. Like it's going to get terrible, like mentally for you. And it just, it just is better, even though it feels contradictory because you feel like, well, I got to get better. And I, and you know, yeah, I'm 34. Like you mentioned, you're 33. I'm 34. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's more pressure when you're like our age and, you know, mm-hmm. um, but like, if, if, if I think like, well, I gotta, you know, I, I gotta time's running out or whatever, like the ticking clock, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. then it's definitely going to get worse in my brain than any contest rejection could give you, uh, 
or give myself like, you know, if I don't take that break. And so like, I don't know, like, yeah, we could talk a lot about having that balance and, and cause that's going to be part of your deadlines too. I mean, you've seen, I, I don't know if you've seen it recently on like screenwriting Twitter, um, people talking, I think, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Forgive me if I pronounce this wrong, but C mm. C Chun, like yeah, Z Z Z Z Chun. Yeah, just Z. Yeah. Yeah. He said it one day. That's how I know. Okay, cool. cool. Like, explain. It's, just, it's just like the letter Z. Z. All right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But like he recently was like talking about like, if you don't take breaks and your writing room is going to be shitty, you know, and your, your writing room is going to be unproductive. And um, it's so true that even at a point where deadlines really, really matter, you're still going to have to have a balance. It's going to feel mm-hmm. wrong walking away from it, but you're going to need to do it. And mm-hmm. it's just going to be good for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, it's just important. Uh, don't try to grind all day. Uh, so yeah. of the scripts that you've written, mm-hmm. which there are a few now, yes. quite a few, <laughs> uh, which is your favorite and why? Um, okay. So my, mo- my, my favorite script is my most recent script. Mm-hmm. It's like a short script. It's only 10 pages. It's called the Ooh. kettle behind stained glass. And oh, nice. I love it. I love so much about it. I love the way I wrote it, the, to- the mm-hmm. tone, the stylistic way that I wrote it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the main reason, I mean, the reason I, I, you know, it's my favorite right now is because it's so streamlined mm-hmm. and it is to the point, like you hate the antagonist and you love the protagonist and it, it leads to a very, very uh, satisfying ending um Mm -hmm. and it's something it's kind of like it was out it's something personal to me um which is important and it was kind of outside my uh, wheelhouse with characters because i you know typically might write characters like my age or younger but i wrote like the protagonist is like in her 50s and um it's just got such a neat like vibe to it and i absolutely i love it i had a, a friend read it and he said like oh this is a, an award-worthy script and i'm like yes that's awesome like, it just felt you know it just felt good to hear uh, oh fuck yeah dude you yeah. should send that to me yeah yeah i will i will that's awesome yeah that sounds sick dude uh especially knowing the passion that you have for it right now that's super dope that yeah. excites me and and one thing um, i did in it that i you know because um you know before even, even now, like I, you know, dabble in rap music and I make beats and stuff. I've been making a few lately and, and rhyming and stuff. And like, I put like a little riddle in there, like a rhyme riddle. And I haven't done that in any of my scripts kind of use that other talent. And so that was like really, really fun to do and to mm-hmm. watch it, like the way I made it like all unfold. And I'm just bragging about, about myself now. So. No, that's sick though. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of invited you to, you know, but um, no, I think that's cool. Like, uh, cause also, you know, there's this whole, part of this that's about you know being humble you know and all this stuff but like i also think it's dope like when in trusted company like you and i are right now mm-hmm. talk yourself up a little <laughs> bit sometimes you know yeah. say the thing that you think you're doing right you know uh and also hearing that makes me as your friend excited to read it so i can't wait awesome thanks um for sure uh what's a recent accomplishment that you're proud of uh screenwriting related or anything in life what's something that happened to you recently that you're like oh yeah oh man so like there's like two i can't talk about 
dad. Okay, yeah, yeah, totally. It's kind of it's kind of a bad question <laughs> in the industry that we're in because so much is like NDA. You know, don't talk yeah. about stuff. Even though, like, but, um, even though like, I say that, like, oh, there's two I can't talk about, and you're like, yes, I can't wait till I get to the point where I'm saying like shit, like shit's happening, and you know, you, I can tweet it out and be like, holy shit, I just wish I could talk about the cool shit that's happening, but yeah, nothing's fucking happening until you're like sitting in the theater and you're watching yeah. that shit. Right. Yep. So, yep. so yep. even though I say that it's very exciting and okay, don't get me wrong. Like, you know how we were recently talking about, you know, you take what you take your wins and, and use them as fuel. Like I'll shout out every single win that I get pretty much on Twitter, yeah. because that's yeah. my journal. Like that's me. Um, I don't know putting myself out there and, and yep. to basking in that, that feeling for the moment. Um, yep. Yep. But yeah. So like, uh, other than that, I mean, like I would say like my most recent accomplishment um, other than also writing the kettle behind stained glass would be, um, and this is kind of relating to both would be, and it's kind of going back to what we were just talking about, but finding like realizing that I need more of that balance in my life. That's been like extremely helpful for me. Um, and kind of like taking in control the things that I can do. And then the things that I don't have control over, not really, you know, doing my best not to sweat over them, even though it can be hard. Right. Yep. Um, but just kind of like getting a plan to where I feel like I have more control over my future, my career and balancing that plan with doing things for myself and just living in the moment um, has been just so good for me lately because you can, you know, you submit to like, what is it like Austin? Mm -hmm. Like, what's the time frame for that? Like you submit to something like Austin, right? And then like three, four months, three, four months later, right? three, four months at the earliest, I think that you hear stuff. Right. So then like, yeah. if you're just living off that anticipation of like, can't wait to hear the next thing, like your life is going to go by so fast. You're right living a announcement date to announcement date is super not healthy either, which I think when we all get obsessed with contests in the beginning, it's super normal, mm -hmm. you know, to be like, Oh God, I just can't wait until July. I know it's March 2nd, mm -hmm. but I can't wait till July 25th. And it's like, ah, oh, dude, just do your thing. Don't even think about it. Yeah. And it, and it could be like, it can be like so tough. Um, but like, yeah, lately it's just been that, like, you know what? I'm going to just sit, not think about screenwriting and just, I don't know, go to a farm yeah. market locally here. Like go to, a, like, I just went to like a national park with my kids the other day. And like, we just walked around and, and read stuff and experienced nature. And that was like really, really, really good. And, um, yeah, I guess to answer this is kind of like, I guess it's a, hopefully it's not too big of an answer, but to make it kind of like more specific, it's just, um, taking what's in my control and like mm -hmm. making a plan for that, making goals for that, you know, especially like you and I both like, um, not only do we screen, right. We go out and make films too. Mm -hmm. And yep. so like getting that control and like getting that, that goal to go out and like make a film um, so it's something that I've done recently and, um, feels like, yeah, that's, that's definitely in my control as well as like, um, not getting lost in the, the, 
this, I don't know. Hopefully this doesn't sound bad, but the rat race of like screenwriting that it can be, if you let it be like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, uh, so a few words of advice you would give to your fellow screenwriters out there, especially to those who are just getting started. <laughs> a few words away. This whole thing has been like, yeah, you can advice, repeat right? the shit that you said earlier. Yeah, it doesn't really matter. But if you had to sum it up, you know, and it doesn't have to be this is the only advice you would give. It's just okay. a piece. No, no, I know. I'm just, I'm just saying, like it's, it's almost like you could give so much, right? Because you yeah. throughout this process, you learn like so much, and you're like, you know, <sighs> you just hope other people don't do some of the dumb shit you did or say some of the dumb shit you said. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so a few words I would give, I would say like, be patient, right? So like every single script that you write, like hopefully every script that you write, you're going to think is like badass, right? Like, Mm -hmm. especially like your first script, your first script, you're going to be like, you're going to get to the end of it. You're going to maybe do a few other drafts after that. And you're like, oh man, this is the shit, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But you're going to get critiqued, right? And Mm -hmm. just have patience, right? Like it's, it's so hard not to react or feel like shitty off of critiques, even after you write like your fifth script or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. It's really, really hard. But if you have patience, um, you'll start to see that maybe some of the critiques that people have, like you'll you'll start to understand them a little better. Maybe yeah. maybe not particularly exactly like what they say, but you'll be able to like read between the lines and get at the what you know we often hear as called like the note within the note. Mm-hmm. And but it's extremely hard to do when you, you first start. Right. So, um, realizing that like, yes, screenwriting is very much like an art you're unique, you know, your voice is unique. Um, and the way that you style your screenplays, that's all unique. Um, but at the same time, this is like a group effort. Screenwriting really is a group effort. Like you Mm -hmm. need other voices. You need other people to be able to help you and and encourage you and and move you along. Um, I used to make a lot of music, like rap music and stuff. And, you know, obviously, like I mentioned, I was doing like YouTube and nobody told me, you know, how I had to do something or how I should do something. Right. It was just like me creating my art the way that I wanted it to, wanted Mm -hmm. to create it. And I could understand that being a reality within the um, picture art world as well. Um, But in the screenwriting world, getting notes from others and and having patience with, with your writing and understanding that, you know, it's a group effort is like very, very vital. And, and what is really unique when it comes to this art form that maybe some other art forms aren't subject to. Yeah. Um, so I would, I would, yeah, I would definitely say have patience with yourself. Uh, yeah. You that's know, great and, advice. And to make sure that you're um, kind of like looking at this as like a, a, like a marathon and not just like a sprint because it is a marathon as much as you want it to be a sprint. It is a marathon. And then, mm-hmm. and to live every day um, with joy and like just doing things, other things that make you happy. Um and not waiting for you, you know, yourself to cross a finish line within this mm-hmm. um, screenwriting world. Um, so you are taking, you know, the now and experiencing life and having a good life. Um, and then I would also say like, you know, shoot all the shots that you can 
you know, we kind of talked about this briefly with like contests and stuff. So shoot, shoot every shot that you can. Like if you want to make films, go out and make a film, but also like screenwrite, enter contests, um, talk on Twitter, mm-hmm. make connections with people and more genuine connections, of course. Yeah. And, um, yeah. but also within that, so shoot all the shots you can shoot, uh, the ones that you can afford financially that's important right like mm-hmm. watch your finances because it can get expensive to do stuff yep but also ones you can afford mentally right mm-hmm. like, there's some shots that aren't going to be like you could take that might not be worth taking for you at that moment mentally and to be aware of that and to not mm-hmm. feel like just because you didn't take it that you're getting behind yeah yeah dude that's fantastic advice honestly that was really good i'm probably gonna like just take that snippet and play it every morning when I start my morning. <laughs> no. uh, cool, thanks. Yeah. Uh, so final question. Yeah. Any projects that you'd like to plug that you want people to have on their radar, anything that you have coming up in the future? Uh, again, you know, you don't got to say shit that you're not allowed to say, yeah. but um, yeah, just anything that you want to plug right now. And you don't have to, if you don't want to. Oh man. Um, I just, I guess I'll just plug, like, if you're a screenwriter out there and you're a cool person and follow me, I don't know, follow me on Twitter. Like, let's build a relationship. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. What's what's your at? Gabe Braxton, G-A-B-E-B-R-A-X-T-O-N. Oh yeah. Yeah. Definitely follow Gabe. Uh, He's the shit. He's my friend. Thanks. Uh, my first friend in the screenwriting Twitter community. And, uh, and that's mutual too. Like oh, thank Andy you. was like the first person, like I ever followed. And uh, I'm so glad to know Andy. So follow Andy too. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, for sure, dude. It's been a pleasure getting to know you and uh, getting to follow your journey. And I'm excited about all the things that are happening for you and all the Thanks. things that are to come. Um. I think we'll probably wrap it up right there, man. Uh, that was Gabe Braxton at G A B E B R A X T O N. Correct. Correct. Yes, I think so. And, uh, yeah, follow him for sure. And, uh, thanks for listening to the social screenwriters podcast episode one. And, uh, hope thanks you for like having it. me on. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Dude. Thank you so much for coming on and dealing with all my technical, uh, failure bullshit with zoom. <laughs> we cut out a number of times just for people listening. Cause my Wi-Fi is spotty. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to look into that for future episodes, but yeah, dude, thanks so much for coming cool. on. Thanks for being patient. Thanks for being so candid. Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. For sure, dude. All right, cool. Peace out. Later. The social screenwriters podcast. So